to the latest episode of Optional Side Quest. This is Georgia with Alex. Alex, how's it going? Okay. Um, the weather's uh, improved immensely. <laughs> oh my god, it was like the, hot, the hottest Easter weekend ever, or something like that. But um, yeah. I'm actually like still sort of shaking. Just before we recorded, I was playing Final Fantasy 15. I was going back. I was playing DLC for the first time, like ever, and. Um, I was just, oh, it, 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 took, it took me about 20 attempts to beat this boss and I finally beat it and now I'm like sort of shaking a bit agitated so yeah I just gotta shake you, it off uh did you buy the uh, DLC or was it sort of like a special edition version no of it? I bought it because it's like there's there's about five different DLCs for for the game and they're all like four quid each and or you can just get the season pass for 12 quid so I just thought oh there's so much DLC on there and Final Fantasy is like my favorite series so and I got nothing else to play at the minute, so I thought, oh, I may as well just try it out, see if it's any good. I was a bit worried about getting back into the control scheme and stuff, but to be fair, it's all right. I've been enjoying it. It's it's been good to to get back into the game, but yeah, it's weird DLC because it's like you're not playing the game; you're just playing some tacked on bit of game, like a like a standalone little story, like you can just finish in one go. It's a bit weird, but yeah. yeah. It's fun. I've I mean, done one of the DLCs. I've got two more left uh, of the main set, and then there's like an online thing they've added as well, so you can create your own character and and have a whole run through. So I might give that a go. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's all right. Because I mean, the only DLC I bought was um, uh, the Virgil's Downfall for DMC Devil May Cry uh, when it was on sale a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that was supposed to be quite good, wasn't it? Because you got to play as Virgil. And stuff. I, I, I will admit it was. I, I was um, very impressed. But I mean, I think what annoyed me was it only took me about an hour, if that. Yeah, exactly. Like So, I mean, if I had forked out like because um, this I think it was um, they were asking for like seven, eight pounds for it if it wasn't on sale. I would have been kind of annoyed if I'd forked out that amount for just an hour's worth of content. Yeah, sure, you can go back and like play the like harder dif- difficulties and stuff, but for one run through takes about an hour. It just seems a bit not great value. Yeah, no, exactly, and, and that's kind of how long the the DLC took me to do like the story DLC. But then because there's like three extra ones, you sort of get your value out of it because you just got to pass with everything on it. But yeah. Yeah, I could have got it on its own for four quid, which isn't too bad. But yeah, it's all right. It's 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 fun going back in. I was sort of torn between getting that or I was going to get the Spider-Man DLC or the Horizon Zero Dawn DLC. But I don't know, just for some reason, I wasn't as inclined to revisit those games as I was Final Fantasy. But yeah, you, yeah it's all right. You see, this is what... For, um... Uh, games to get all the DLC out, and then they'll bring out the special edition version where they bundle all the DLC together, and then I'd buy that. Yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> but because I like, yeah, that's the best way to do it. But because I like bought these games day one, and obviously by the time the DLC comes out, you haven't touched the game in about a year, and so you're actually dog shit controlling the characters. So it's just like, eh. see, this is why I wait a year because then I can have it all in one go. <laughs> Did you wait five years, man? You wait a console generation before you get the new games. <laughs> to be fair i mean um i I bought a resident evil 5 on the ps4 last year and i was playing the dlc as well um it was fun i will admit that but if i i would have been not really annoyed if i'd forked out eight pounds for each one i know i feel like dlc is just really throwaway it's just like 
it's nothing it's not really substantial it's just like eh, yeah just play it give it a little bash i feel like some games have more substantial dlc like i think the witch's dlc is supposed to be like as big as a full game but i you know i'm not really too bothered about revisiting that game i tried to put that game back in once and i saw the menus and i was so overwhelmed because i, I was so it's been so long since i played the game i just turned it off <laughs> i spent three hours installing it as well like reinstalling it and then i just turned it off like after five minutes i was oh, like no nope. but right should we get into it yeah let's get into so, it so this week's uh, episode is going to be focused on our favorite soundtracks and, and sort of movie soundtracks as a whole um so you have a bit yeah. of a mixture it could be orchestral instrumental well, part, soundtracks. part of the reason we pick soundtracks is we both have vastly different uh, taste in music, so that probably wasn't going to happen. So, Sandra... yeah, like, <laughs> like we couldn't really be further on the music spectrum if we tried. Like, I'm the super cheesy, you know, pop. I don't know. You, you, I'm just the super cheesy stuff. 80s. I mean, I'm sure you know. There's some crossover there. You know, we don't dislike each other's taste completely. But yeah, I'm I'm far like on the cheesy side, and then you're on the complete opposite emo. Well, put, well, I was going to say, put it this way. The most recent purchase I bought was um, In Flames' uh, Jester Ace album, which is basically a death metal album from a Swedish band. So, okay, that's and, yeah, it. So, and then, <laughs> And then the last song I downloaded on Spotify was Nick Kershaw, I Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, which is a 1984 song from Top of the Pops that I was watching the other day. So, yeah. <laughs> that gives you an idea of how far, how far removed we are from, from each other's taste. So, yeah, movie soundtracks. We can both relate to that. We like movies. We like soundtracks. Um, but I guess my first sort of question to you, Alex, is what do the soundtracks in movies mean to you? And what I mean by that is, like, does a is a is a film better for a good soundtrack? Does it really does it matter to you with a film? Can an average film be like you know above average with a good soundtrack? Uh, whether that song choices or or you know a composer. Um, you know, how, how much of a movie soundtrack do you notice and pick up and, and base your opinion of a film on? Um, soundtracks do matter. I will say that because if you've like, I don't know if you've ever watched sort of like the extras on uh, a film where they've you, you see them filming it and they're filming it and like you see them just talking and you yeah. know that scene's got like some epic music behind it or, or even just some background music. It just seems a bit weird. Yeah. So, like, soundtracks, like, can definitely accentuate, like, the the movie. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you watched, um, I don't know, Titanic uh, without the soundtrack. It oh, would, yeah, it'd be a movie, wouldn't it? It'd still be, like, a good movie yeah. because it's a well-made movie and it's well-acted. But the the soundtrack kind of helps push it over the edge. I mean, and I don't know, in regards to, I, I'll also say that, like, that I have watched some bad, bad movies, like, you know, cheesy action movies and stuff. And, like, I will say that it's, I, I've enjoyed it a lot more when there's, like, some big cheesy action scene and it's got some sort of, like, crazy, you know, background music that they're, the guy's, like, mowing down zombies to or something. So, I mean. Well, yeah, there, I mean. Well, yeah, like, like thinking about it from, from, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. Like, every single film that I regard as, you know, one of my favourites of all time or, you know, just any film that's really, like, moved me. With it, there's some exceptions, um, of course, um, but 
but generally every film that I love, you know, like I don't even really love like my top five films of all time, for example, the the soundtracks in, in each of those films, you know, I, I will sit down, I could I could just listen to the soundtracks um, of these movies. Like, I mean, my favorite composers, like, you know, James Horner, who did, you know, um, he did Titanic. He also composed the music to my favorite film of all time, Bicentennial Man, which is like this really obscure Christopher Columbus, Robin Williams movie, but it's got like my all-time favorite soundtrack in. Um, it's just awesome. It's just so emotional and, you know, it's got the, like the the pipes and the piano and, and things like that it, it just it, it really resonates and you can just listen to the soundtrack of that movie and you know a lot of other movies like saving private ryan things like that that have great great orchestral soundtracks and it just you can just be transported to the world of the movie without even watching the movie when the soundtracks are, are, are that good and, and that memorable and it's something that i always pick up on and, and any film that i go see you know i'll always have a look who does the music um you know it's just a massive massive interest of mine oh yeah i mean i definitely agree of if you listen to the soundtrack you can sort of like be transported to the movie especially like the sort of like the pivotal music moment so like you you know oh this is a bit in the movie where they're escaping from such and such or they're running away from such and such or he's about to realize that such and such has betrayed him or something yeah i mean Uh, mean, there are some tracks yeah like that like you know like i tried to i was listening to the lord of the Rings soundtrack um you know quite recently great great soundtrack like one of the one of the most memorable and the best soundtracks of all time but there are some tracks where it's it's literally just the music that's played in the background during a really minor chase scene or or you know just read just reading some some script or, or some parchment or something and it's just there's no like melody there it's just it's just music it's just atmospheric music so it's really weird to listen to that on its own but um yeah i don't want to talk too much about you know listen to soundtracks by themselves or anything like that but um yeah i mean with the with the lord of the rings movies the star wars movies the harry potter movies be anywhere near as as memorable you know, or as well loved without, you know, really, really awesome soundtracks. I suppose just to sort of carry on from that, I suppose good soundtracks do vary from films that just have good themes. Yeah, I will say that because, I mean, um, I'll fully admit some of the um, something I was going to talk about earlier. Um, well, not earlier, but uh, one thing, one of the things I mentioned was um, has some really, really good themes. And they do also have some really good uh, standalone music as well. But I think the themes are what people know more. Yeah, it's like like anyone can can harm or, 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 you know, sing the, you know, the Star Wars theme or the Indiana Jones theme. You know, these big, really super famous themes like E.T., basically anything from John Williams, (laughs) they, they can just rattle off and you'll know exactly what what film that is but but when it comes to like you know the more nuanced tracks and and you know the, the more not so much the themes but you know for like indiana, go back to indiana jones for example you've got the you've got the, the you know the well-known theme but then you've also got like marion and, and indiana sort of like romance music which sounds a lot different but it's still awesome and it's still just a great track to listen to true but I guess what would be good to, to a good way to move this conversation is what what's a what's a good sort of soundtrack that you want to like as an example that you know that 
really amplify the film for you uh, and why and, and just yeah just tell us just give us some give us some examples um well i guess i should um, i guess probably one of my favorite ones because you mentioned lord of the rings that this soundtrack is probably the definitive uh sword and fantasy uh soundtrack for a film and you can argue lord of the rings is better all you want but i will still say dragon heart no okay (laughs) no i'm gonna say uh conan the barbarian see i okay i don't i haven't i haven't seen conan the barbarian so this is all you really yeah yeah man it's a a blind spot for me i love arnold schwarzenegger as well um dude you have you have to watch it and i guarantee you the um the soundtrack was sort of like you're you're listening to it and be like oh my god this is so epic because um it's it's all um it's done by um uh, apologies if I'm pronounced yeah oh uh, see like, I know a lot of his tracks like he did uh RoboCop a lot of Paul Verhoeven films Free Willy Free Willy's a great soundtrack Starship Troopers nice okay yeah decent. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the soundtrack to Conan the Barbarian is very, it's very sort of... Is it very 80s? No, that's the thing. It's You could argue okay. it's... Um, I played it to my dad, whose musical knowledge um, extends to 1965, and that's about it. It was like, this is very good, because my dad's a classical fan. Um, okay. He listens to Classic FM a lot. And in fact... I think they played one of the th- songs from the Conan the Barbarian soundtrack, and he was like, "Oh, this is very good." And I was like, "Oh yeah, because it's it's a Conan the Barbarian. It's a really good film." Da, da, da. And he was like, "Oh okay." So and... is it is it quite um, an action heavy soundtrack, or is it is it more like emotional? Um, there's definitely some emotional tracks in there. Um, spoilers. Uh, when uh, he, when Conan's uh, mother dies, it's. It sort of like has this really good, sad, I don't know, you can argue it's kind of like sad music, but it's kind of shocking, like more shock than sad. I mean, there's a bit of sadness in there, Okay. but um, it's more the shock that, because you, th- you think right up until James Earl Jones kills her, that um, they might survive. And and the music is sort of like playing with that, like, are they going to survive? Are they not? And then uh, James Earl Jones cuts her head off, and then it's like, and then it sort of goes into that into the sort of like sad territory, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I need to check it out. I do need to check it out. I'm just worried it's going to be really dated and really like super cheesy. No, no, dude. Um, the in, the intro music is. <laughs> I, I, the intro music when um, you see his dad forging uh, the sword is like one of my favourite thi- um, bits of music like ever. Okay. And then the the battle music uh, at the end is also like really good. Um, you can literally, you could, honest to God, you could take um, the music from Conan the Barbarian and put it to pretty much any scene. But well, obviously it would like have to be the appropriate scene. But like you could pick. Um, a song from the Canon Barbarian tra- soundtrack, put it to a corresponding uh, scene in Lord of the Rings, and it would work perfectly. Okay, that is how good it is. I think what with with like with older films like eighties movies and, and things like that, I definitely feel like sa- the the soundtracks of them 
if it's got a good soundtrack, yes, the the visual effects might get outdated and might make the film look a bit older and it just might not hold up. But if an old film has got a good soundtrack that, you know, that is really timeless, I think that translates to, into making the movie itself timeless. Because if you think like Star Wars, you know, those, those special effects don't hold up, but the music absolutely does. Same for Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, things like that. And, and as you say, Conan, you know, a good soundtrack will, will definitely hold, make a film hold up a lot better than, you know, than just one that doesn't have that, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess, I guess um, for uh, an example for me, of you know, a really good soundtrack that really just, it just makes such a big difference to, to the movie. And that's, um, that's Castaway. Um, you know, Tom Hanks, Robert Zemeckis uh, directed it. 2000 it came out. God, can you believe that? 20 years old nearly. Um, the reason I want to talk about this soundtrack is, I mean, it's Alan Silvestri, who's awesome. Uh, he most recently did, you know, Infinity War, Avengers, you know, awesome. Um, what I love most about this soundtrack is that the film itself has no music at all for the first, like, hour, hour and a half. It's only when he actually starts to, spoilers uh, for Castaway, uh, it's only when he starts to escape from the island and, you know, he starts to row away that the music actually starts. And it's it's basically the same track throughout different scenes in the movie. It's when he's rowing away, uh, it's when he loses Wilson, um, when he, he you know is reunited with with Helen Hunt's character, and and also the you know the, the final shot and the ending. And it's just such an awesome track. And the fact that you've watched the whole film with no music at all this whole time, and then as he as he's no longer isolated on the island and the music starts playing, it just it just I don't know it really resonated with me. It's it's such a and it's just such a beautiful track as well. Like you listen to the Castaway soundtrack, it's literally just one song, but I don't know. It's just awesome, and it it just it makes that film just that just that extra, you know, just that much more be- better film for it. Uh, you know, the first hour and a half really good when there's no music, of course, but what really amplifies the film and sort of pushes it over the edge in terms of quality is that awesome, awesome soundtrack by Alan Silvestri towards the end. You see, I haven't, I think I watched Castaway once. Um, oh, dude, it's so yeah. good. Man. And I, I will agree. I, I couldn't, I couldn't remember like anything like music related. And I was like, am I just like forgetting the music or something? And then you were like, like not a lot of music in there. I was like, ah, that would probably be, but you remember those scenes, right? You remember like when he loses Wilson and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember that scene. Um, I mean, again, it's been a while, but the Wilson one, I do remember. So like it, it must have been a combination of the scene and sort of like the music. Yeah, stuff. I mean, often, I mean, it's something that I, you know, listen out for a lot. I, I do listen out for the, the music that's playing in a scene because it, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I really enjoy. But a lot of the time, like, I think, you know, maybe with the average moviegoer, uh, I'm not, you know, not including you on that. I'm just sort of saying in, in, in general, of course. Um, I think the average moviegoer, like, they don't, they don't really pay attention to the music that's playing. They're just watching the scene unfold. And they don't realise that the scene is so much better because of the music that is playing in the background but it's just something that they haven't picked up on i do wonder if that's why you do see a lot of more licensed music yes like 
because obviously uh, um, we were talking earlier, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's a great that's a great segue into the Guardian soundtrack. So, yeah, I mean, it's probably the most memorable soundtrack that has just licensed music in, isn't it? Well, it's certainly one for recent memory, but I mean, uh, there are probably a couple of others. Yeah, in terms of like current. You know, yeah. more current movies with you know with licensed soundtracks then i think guardians is definitely the the one that comes to mind um i mean i couldn't even tell you who did the music for guardians of the galaxy i just know that all the you know the songs that were included in it well i, I actually do know who it is um it's anson's guitarist who anson's guitarist it's uh i think it's like i think it's tyler smith i've just googled it tyler bates Tyler Bates, that was it. Yeah, he's Marilyn Manson's guitarist. Oh shit, fair enough. <laughs> so it's just like that's like a bit of trivia for for everybody. It's like, wait, what? So what? You mean the guy who like um See he's in the music to three hundred, which has really awesome original music in. So Yeah. Yeah. Right, things you learn. Um yeah, I mean if uh Guardians um I guess is has a really good sort of licensed music soundtrack because uh, everybody was like dancing to hooked on a feeling and uh i want you back by the jackson five yeah. and i feel i feel like with licensed music films really do live and die by the song choices and some films just get it so wrong with the type with the songs that they choose to play and it can just absolutely ruin you know a film and uh, some some songs are like they're, they're overplayed you see them everywhere and then a film includes them and it's just like, what the fuck? Like, the, the one that comes to mind is that happy song by Pharrell. That, I've heard oh, yeah, that song that so many times. If, if, a, if, a, if a film plays that song, I automatically think the film shit. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, you, you, you talk about um, uh, Live and Die by the soundtracks. I remember uh, the reboot Ghostbusters uh, theme was by Fallout Boy, I think. And that yeah. was terrible i can't remember that yeah. i like i did like the um ghostbusters movie though um well i mean i i have i still haven't seen it but like if if i was just to go by the song like if i was to go by the original ray parker jr version and the fallout boy version i i would i would just give it to the original just because it sounds so much better and not processed because yeah. if that makes sense yeah 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 but uh one uh one movie that had both really good well it's not really orchestral but sort of like really good instrumental music and really good licensed music um this just goes to show how how much i like this soundtrack because i i bought both these uh albums on cd is uh the crow yes yeah the crow definitely needed needs to be talked about um i have both the licensed music uh with uh with all the bands on it um and the uh score by graham revel revel yeah graham revel yeah um because i mean i i quite a few bands because of the soundtrack uh funnily enough it was the first um time i heard nine inch nails of Joy Division's uh, Dead Souls. Um, nice. I got into uh, The Cure because of Burn. Um, it was the first time I, um, 
It was actually the first time I actually had a Rage Against the Machine song here because uh, they got darkness. See, yeah, and, and with the you know with the Crow soundtrack, I mean, yeah, it's, that has it has both. It has yeah, awesome instrumental music, and then yeah, really cool licensed music. Like you know the scene where he, he's putting on his makeup for the first time. Awesome song. I can't remember what the song is, but you know, it just, uh, that, just that's uh, the Cure's Burn. Obviously, yeah. So it's just it's just really well placed, and it just feels right, like. The the song like the songs and the and the instrumental music they just really marry each other really well and it just works and a lot of films do that really well some don't um, but yeah I mean get I think having licensed music in a film though is one of the hardest things to pull off and and actually make work because it really just depends on the taste of the audience and whether or not they like that song. Whereas if you've just got some nice violin music in the background, it's 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 a little bit harder to ruin someone's scene. Um, interesting, Ling. You know when you were talking about like stuff being dated and stuff. Yep. One could argue the Crow soundtrack is dated. I mean, it's very nineties. Nineties <laughs> grunge, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it, it it it's literally like you, you, they could probably say, yeah, this is from like early nineties, from like the first two songs. Yeah. Um, but is that necessarily like a bad thing? I mean, another. No, I feel like that is a you know is a it's a nineties movie, isn't it? And the yeah. charm of it is how nineties it is, I suppose. I mean, going into an, another comic book uh, adaptation uh, film with I think some really good uh, um, a really good soundtrack, um, which is very dated in a way, though, is Tim Burton's 1989 Batman movie um, with soundtrack provided by Prince. <laughs> oh, and yeah. That, <laughs> Dude, that's kind of weird, man. You can't really get any more 80s than that. <laughs> I mean, you, give, yeah. you give me the Danny Elfman Batman theme, though. I'm all, I'm all for it, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, D- Danny Elfman's score, score as well is definitely, like, um, the highlight. Like, I will take... Probably, like, cause some take Danny Elfman's Batman theme over Hans Zimmer's Dark Knight stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how uh, shocking that is, but I would. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, yeah, the the Danny Elfman's one is, is super cool, and it feels very it feels very Batman. It feels very comic book, super awesome. Whereas the Hans Zimmer James Newton Howard you know, Dark Knight trilogy soundtrack it's basically just that that it's like two notes. It's like that mm, mm, that bit, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That is that. That's the main bit of that soundtrack, and yeah, it's awesome. It makes yeah super epic. But yeah, I think I think the problem with the Dark Knight's uh, soundtrack, it's not really a soundtrack. It's just two notes. You you could you could put the music from those movies and put it into. I mean, and this ties into what I've said. I've long how oh, the Dark Knight movies are basically. Uh, thriller movies with guys in funny suits. Um, you could put the that soundtrack to like Inception, or yeah, you could. or you know Inception, uh, the, the the Departed, or something something along those lines, and it would still fit. Yeah. Whereas Danny Elfman's Batman theme, like it's Batman. It, you yeah, put like, that with anything else. I think the, you could probably just about get away with putting it with another like comic book movie, but it would have to have the same sort of 
I mean, the only the only thing the only comic book movie that I could it could probably fit with, and this is like a massive stretch, and I'm just going off the top of my head is either like Ron Perlman's Hellboy or Blade. Well, it pissed me off when they they tried to put it into um, Justice League, like very faintly, and it played like once. Just if you're going to play it, just go for it, man. Ironically. Ironically, um, I think it would like uh, it would suit a sort of like that um, the DCU Batman kind of, depending on how they take it. Yeah. But yeah, um, you got any other ones? Yeah, no. Um, so obviously we, t- uh, you know, we could. I mean, we could. There's films with great soundtracks. There's there's too many to list, and you know, I've I've touched on a load of you know big franchises and soundtracks. I don't have to talk too much about those ones anymore. But I do want to touch on uh, movie musicals, uh, if I may. Um, it's a very broad subject, but I feel like if you think about musicals, they do really, you know, more so than any other type of film, they really do live or die by their soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you, don't, you don't get, like, stage plays for uh, musicals with terrible songs, do you? <laughs> no, exactly. And there are there, there's some, like, musical things. Like, I don't really care for when, like, musical movies have, like, just a conversation that doesn't even rhyme or have a melody, but it's sang for some reason. Um, but when you've got, like, a really memorable, you know, I suppose, like, the most recent example is... Uh, the Greatest Showman. I, sw- I think that's a good example. Be good to get my point across. Um, you know, with with, some, with movies like that, yeah, they, they do. As I said, they live or die by their soundtrack. And I was not really bothered about The Greatest Showman. I don't really care. You know, it's fucking circus. You know, I like Hugh Jackman, but ironically, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really I, care. I, ironically, I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is quite good. Yeah, exactly. So like, I was, I well, I put it on. I wasn't really wasn't expecting to like the movie. And if you take the songs out of the movie, it's good. It's you know, it's a, it's a really good movie. But you you put the songs in and how good they are, dude. There's like there's like six seven tracks in that film that you you just want to you just want to play them on a loop and and sing sing them. Like that's what a a, a musical soundtrack should, should do. And like and and sort of. In the opposite to that, I actually watched um, Mary Poppins Returns um, last week, and that you know, big Mary Poppins musical. It's, it's supposed to be this big thing, dude. I couldn't, I couldn't give you a single song. I couldn't sing you a single song from that film. It was crap. It was it just no. It was just not memorable. It wasn't catchy. Emily Blunt's all right, but fucking Emily Blunt's. Not all right. She's awesome. <laughs> and it had uh, that, that, might, that might be my fanboy. What fanboyness? <laughs> well, it had it had um, Lin Manuel Miranda in from. Uh, I think he he, came, he became famous from that Hamilton musical. And I've no interest in seeing Hamilton, man. It's fucking it's rap music, it, but like really shitty rap music. I can't deal with it. Um, and they tried to incorporate that into the soundtrack of this as well. And I was just like, oh my god. But yeah, I mean, what, what I suppose what 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 are good sort of musical examples for for you? I always keep having this argument with people on whether this counts as a musical or not. But I think it does. 
Um, Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. Dude, do they sing songs in that movie? They, I mean, they even released a soundtrack for it. Yeah, exactly. Then it's 100% a, uh, a musical. Uh, I mean, you've got... Um, I mean, so it's, like a, it's like a comedy musical yeah thing. i think i think that's what makes i think that's why i enjoy it so much because it's sort of like it knows it's kind of silly it, it knows it's silly and it just does it it's like um the intro song is just like uh jack black's basically singing summarizing his ca- his character's like character basically in like in song it's like long ass fucking go on a count or kick a poo Oh yeah, Kickapoo. Family, religious through and through, and yea, there was a black sheep, and he knew just what to do. His ye- name was Young JB, and he refused to stop. I mean, that song goes on, man. It's, 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 good, it's a good track. It, they've got so much, like a lot, pretty much all, like so earworthy, and they actually kind of make it. The the funny thing is, um, it's like I think it's a it's like a it's a musical, but they kind of make it. Like when the songs, when they do the songs, they kind of not like um, in the traditional musical where they just randomly start bursting into song. It's kind of all I don't know what the word is, but basically, it's sort of like the first song is basically J- uh, Jack Black write- writing the song. Basically, I just summarizing... think Jack Black just doesn't have a, an ability to make breaking out into any kind of song awkward because he just owns it. Like School of Rock. It's. I mean, it's. I, I don't know if you would class it as a musical, but because when the songs are sang, that you know they're performing them, but yeah, the song, you know, that's super memorable as well. Like you, you, you know, you can sing the songs from School of Rock. Like it's awesome. I mean, interestingly, a, a, another one that I think is um, good, but and I think this is kind of interesting because I actually repurpose like licensed music is uh, the Pitch Perfect movies. Uh, yes. Um, and I'm not saying I like these just because uh, Anna Kendrick is my future wife, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, more than Britney Snow. Yeah. Fair. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I actually like how they um, just the, well, I like how they just basically give you acapella versions of just good songs, but then they sort of remix them, retune them. I feel like Pitch Perfect 1 did that better than 2 or 3. I feel like the song choices for 1 were really good, whereas 2 and 3, they kind of... I don't know, they kind of chose really weird songs, and I didn't I didn't like the song choices in 2 or 3 anywhere near as much as I did the first film. But I haven't seen 3, but I will say that um, I do listen to the songs from 1 a lot more than I do from 2. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, another one that I think is good, um, which um, is good in terms of repurposing, like, popular songs is a film that probably everybody's forgotten about probably except for you and me and you might have even forgotten about it um is a uh, sucker punch dude i don't i don't forget about sucker punch <laughs> yeah I, but... I, the, the first song i can't I, what is the first song it's not it's not like a re a slow version of tainted love is it no is it's it? It's a it's a it's a redone version of a uh, sweet dreams. Made dreams, of this. dreams, yes, by the Rhythmics, yes, yes, yes. Um, it's actually that, Emily Browning. Awesome, awesome film. Awesome Emily Browning's actually singing it. So is uh, she? yeah, Baby Doll's actually singing that. Um, oh, baby yeah, Doll, man, don't even, don't even. But these songs, uh, sort of 
kind of, essentially, I guess you could say, repurposed covers of uh, existing songs. I think the only one that isn't is that sort of like weird Queen mashup that they have partway through. Yeah, I mean, which ironically, is, which ironically is um, my least favorite from the soundtrack. I mean, it works for in the context of the film, but when I'm just listening to the soundtrack, it's the one that I always skip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, because. Because that, that bit is a bit weird, but yeah, the the, the sweet dreams bit at the at the start is fucking awesome. Like that is retooled perfectly with the imagery that's on screen, and because it's a song you sort of know that's repurposed, it's super cool. But I mean, I I, I love that uh, "Love Is the Drug" song um, when uh, Oscar Isaac is uh, dancing with uh, Carla Gugino, and that's like a proper old old school song as well. Yeah, yeah. I need so, to I need to rewatch that film, man. But then there's there's like there's films that have you that use re repurposed songs in a bad way. Like I remember watching Pan, dude. This fucking movie, man. I was I, you know, I'm a I'm a huge Peter Pan fan. Like I love that the the Peter Pan movie, you know the Disney one, the one that came out I think it was the early two thousands, and then Hook, of course. That's one of my favorite films of all time. So I was super excited for Pan. I was like, yes, a new Peter Pan movie. It's gonna be super epic. Hugh Jackman as Blackbeard. Let's go. Rooney Mara as uh, you know Tiger Lily, which is I suppose weird, but Rooney Mara is a good actress, so I was down. And the film started off okay. The music looked pretty good. It had like the whimsical feel that I look, you know, I'd look for in a Peter Pan movie. And then, have you seen Pan? No, but I, isn't isn't that the one where they do that? It's all like weird. Yeah, and then and then literally it it cuts to Neverland and Blackbeard's like running the this fucking there's like you know they're like slaves they're they're mining and then for some reason they're singing smells like Teen Spirit and I was baffled dude I was genuinely aghast at what I was seeing I was like what the fuck man and then Hugh Jackman starts singing it as well but in like a really like sinister way. And they're all going, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, this has ruined the whole film. I had to sit through an hour more of the movie after that. And by that point, I was done, man. <laughs> it, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, who on who thought Smells Like Teen Spirit would suit a Peter Pan movie? I just don't understand. The, film, the song's all right. Like, I won't say I don't like the song because... You know, there's a lot of people that do, and I kind of do, but not really. But why would you... I don't know, man. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. But yeah, that's my rant on uh, Pan. I think it probably depends on, like, the context as well. Yeah. Um, cause... Yeah, I mean, that was out of place, for sure. Because, like, everybody loves the... Uh, uh, oh, what's the song called? Bohemian Rhapsody uh... in Wayne's World. No, no, not that. Um, I was going to say uh, the everybody likes that um, the ma- uh, Mad World from the Donnie Darko soundtrack. Um, yeah, because that, that, that fits that the, suits the film tonally. Film, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to have to watch this uh, pan smells like Teen Spirit thing. Just, yeah, just do the clip, man. Just go on YouTube and do the clip. You'll you, you'll know it's uh, the video you want because it'll probably have like 90% downvotes. Um, Dude, that film sucks. Um. Another movie that I think has some good, like, um, like licensed music is American Psycho. Yes. And it also has, like, a really good score as well, because, like, 
um like the bit where he's talking about like his daily routine and stuff it's just like some kind of like nice whimsical piano music and then it just kind of starts you, you start hearing it when it's kind of starts going a bit creepy and then it's like it lines up with how he's basically talking about how like his mask of whatever <laughs> is going to slip and it's like hmm make, make, makes you realize that nothing's like as it seems yeah yeah and then there's, there's... A great soundtrack um i think like a couple of examples for me of like licensed music and, and films i think like quentin tarantino movies have always done that well Oh yeah, ways like Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. Oh my God, the first Kill Bill, and then the Hateful Eight. You know, it's more of a, a, a traditional soundtrack. But yeah, he 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 knows exactly what the right sort of songs are, you know, to include in in his films, and he, he does he does a great job with his uh, with his tracks. I will say, I mean, it's it's, it's another soundtrack. I kind of dated in the sense that it's very eighties, but I love the uh, first Terminator soundtrack. I mean, it's got the Terminator the theme. theme. Yeah, it's I just got the Terminator theme. Oh yeah, the, I mean the Terminator theme like is awesome, and I mean they, it's obviously it, it's really good because they've used it in pretty much every film since. But yeah. I mean, one of my favorite bits of music is um, the bit from uh, where Kyle uh, Kyle's found uh, Sarah in the. Um, in the police station and they're escaping and they've it's got that like really synthy 80s thing it's like it's so synthy man it's so synth apparently what's really weird is apparently um uh brad feeder the composer he lost that track somewhere he lost it on like a computer or something so he can't like so the only way you can is basically like fans who've basically like tried to like put it together themselves yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the audio, and it's like, but that's like one of my favorite bits of music. It's like literally thirty seconds, but it's like it's one of the bits that stays with me. But I mean, I, I guess you could also say that um, the love song it, um, <laughs> at the motel is um, also Dude, quite. That is, that is that scene, man. <laughs> but you find that scene awkward. So I like... find it so awkward, dude. Like. I mean, with with sex scenes in any film, just a quick segue. Like, I don't need to see like the the gyration or you know even like the implied entry or you know the orgasm or anything like that. I don't need to see that. Just just give me some kisses, and they maybe fall into bed and fade to black. Like that conveys everything you need from a sex scene. Like, okay, if it's like a different kind of film, you know, if it's like nine and a half weeks or you know, or basic instincts or something like that, then fine, you know, put it in there because the, you know, the, the sex scene is, you know, it's storytelling. But, dude, I don't need that shit, man. And well, the Terminator sex scene, the Terminator sex scene, he's got, he's squeezing the boobs. It's like, she, she's pulling faces. It's like, she's going to town, man. <laughs> she is going to town. And it's like, it goes on and on. And there's like, they're holding hands as well. And it's like, the close-up on their holding hands. <laughs> Until like they release, dude, I can't deal with it. It completely ruins the momentum of the movie. It's awkward as fuck. No, no, my favorite. You can't part... watch that film with your parents, man. You're like, no, yeah, but... watch Terminator. It's awesome. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's fucking badass. You can't watch that scene with them. And, and then the hilarious thing is, the next scene immediately after that is Ali riding his motorbike to find them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it even funnier. <laughs> 
We've just had this intimate sex scene with some like really like intimate music, and then it's just cuts to Arnie Dude, riding a bike. So <laughs> intimate. Like, like, I get that the scene's probably purposefully intimate because it's I guess it's the conception of John Connor so it needs to be like that but dude the scene is that intimate fucking audience members are getting conceived as well dude I can't deal with it um another one that um I want to touch on is uh the um the American version of the girl with the dragon tattoo because a I love Tread Reznor because he's awesome and b because it's very... a fucking badass, man. He has really like deep, atmospheric soundtracks. I mean, I I, I will admit, like, because I mean, I've only really listened to the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo soundtrack, and it's the funny thing is, it's really minimalist, but it works when, like, you know what's happening in the movie. I love yeah. the uh, the weird cover of Immigrant Song at the start with the, you know, with the paint and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, like uh, it, it. I guess it get, ties back to what you were saying about uh, the Castaway soundtrack. It's like minimalist, but it works. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of like really adds to each scene. I think to sort of follow up on on the sort of that kind of atmospheric minimalist soundtrack. I think like the the horror movie genre is a really interesting one with soundtracks because horror traditionally you don't really need you don't really want music in the background because it can sort of take away and distract from the tension that's building. But I think a really minimalist, you know, atmospheric soundtrack really works for horror. Like I think like a film's like, like the conjuring that does it really well. It's just like, it kind of like for when tension is being rammed up, there isn't really a, a track that's playing. There's just like a, like a, like a, just like a deep sound uh, in the background. And it, it just, it super builds up the tension, man. It's so scary. And then, and then you've got like tracks like like Jaw, the Jaw soundtrack, um, which builds up tension in a different way, where the music's sort of more front and centre. Um, both very different ways of building up tension in a, in a sort of a horror scene, but dude, so effective, man, so awesome. Well, I mean, there's also, um, I mean, I don't know if it's really a track. I mean, and I've never, and ironically, I've never actually seen the movie. He knows the bit in Psycho where. Um, it's doing the yeah, and, and yeah. that's literally like, um, like three yeah, notes that works that... as well. Like, that's like again, yeah, it's, it's it's just a really invasive way, but but the music, yeah, it builds up after you've got the, the payoff of like the scary scene, like the, the tension sort of builds up kind of more subtly, but but yeah, once, once the, the, the scene is going down, that music band it ramps up. And then there's the uh, the Halloween theme as well. Um, yeah, that's really strong. Carpenter. This is it's kind of eerie, isn't it? It's, it's very like you you could kind of put that soundtrack in a comedy, and you wouldn't think anything of it. It's it's like a, it's it, it's really weird, but it works. Like, well, I don't know about a comedy, but you could probably like I don't know, jazz it up and play the exact same way. Yeah, um, and it would sound. Like it would suit it, to be fair. Yeah, and like another example of that is if you listen to the Poltergeist soundtrack, like the 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 intro music to the Poltergeist is is some of the most whimsical, nice music you can listen to in in like in cinema. But it's it's for a fucking horror film. It's like it's weird, but it I don't know. It's just it, it's 
it kind of freaks you out more. It's like when you have little kids in a horror film, you think, oh shit, something's going to go down. When you've got really nice, gentle music in a horror film, it kind of, I know it always works for me. Like some of, like like the Sixth Sense has a really awesome soundtrack, like some really scary tracks, but then it has like a, this really emotional payoff towards the end. <coughs> um, signs as well, like and, and basically any M Night Shyamalan movie. Um, for the Last Airbender. I will say, I mean, I do agree with the um horror horror movies do because I don't really watch a lot of horror movies in part because, well, it depends on the horror. Scare you. No, it's, it's more because they're generally shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love I, horror movies. I love them, I, even I, shit ones. Well, I, wa- I watched uh, the Pet Cemetery remake like about two weeks ago, and I thought, oh, it was how shit. was that? <laughs> it was shit. <laughs> it was unintentionally. <laughs> it was unintentionally hilarious to me. The I was like, is it. weird for that. Is it like evil pets or something? No, it's literally. Well, it's not even. There's a pet cemetery in the movie, but it's not about that. The the main plot revolves like an uh, Native American graveyard. Which uh, can... Oh yeah, standard fare. So the pet cemetery be next to it, <laughs> yeah, and they called yeah. it that because Native American graveyard doesn't quite roll off the tongue as much. I mean, uh, I will say this: um, the original theme song for that is really good, and the cover that end of the movie. Um, was also quite good, but yeah. I think um, again that was sort of that's more just the theme of the movie. It's not you don't hear. I mean, another series that has some really good themes um, for definitely is, um, but they also do have some real. Sorry, say that again. I think it cut off. James Bond movies have like really good themes as well. Like, okay, yep. And I, I think they're the movies that kind of like everybody is probably just as hyped for the theme as they are for the movie itself. Yeah, I feel like in recent times though the themes haven't been any good. Like, I feel like the the last great Cipher was by Adele, but I think before that, I don't think any of the Daniel Craig films really had good themes, like memorable themes. I think the Pierce Brosnan what? movies did, like Tomorrow Never Dies, GoldenEye, uh, The World Is Not Enough. Even Dying of the Day was good. But I feel like once it got into the Daniel Craig ones, I think the themes just, they were shit. Well, I will take um, Chris Cornell's over Dying of the Day and Tomorrow Never Chris Dies. What? Which one? Um, uh, you Know My Name. What, what film was that for? Uh, Casino Royale. See, the fact that I don't know what that... I don't know why it's called that. Like, every great Bond theme, the name of the song is the name of the film. Why Why with the Daniel Craig films did they start getting all fancy and, and have just random songs that don't even have the name of the film in the title or in the song? Is Casino Royale even a lyric in that song? No, apparently... I, I, read, I heard that apparently that the reason it's called You Know My Name is because to work in James Bond as a lyric... But he couldn't do it like well, so he was just like, "Well, you know, everybody knows who James Bond is, so I'll, I'll just put it as you know." My- oh, dude, man, James- nah, I, I can't, I, I can't approve, man. I can't. When you've got Duran Duran bouting out of you to a kill, and Paul McCartney's "Live and Let Die," like that—that's that's the pinnacle, man. I mean, I, I I will admit those two are some of my favorite 
um, themes from the Bond movies, but um, I, I you see, I'm still trying to figure out if it's because I'm such a Chris Cornell fan that Possibly. I like it. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, what's the what... actual James Bond like instrumental theme? Because I'm 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 trying to f- place it, but all I can get is the Mission Impossible music. It just calls it's, it's just called the James Bond theme. Yeah, but what's the James Bond like actual like the music in the film? Like, what's the James sound? Wait, what do you mean? Like, like you know, Mission Impossible's got What's the James Bond equivalent to that? Because I can't think. I'll find it. Right here, yeah. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Thank God, that was going to kill me, man. So, any any other things you want to touch on? Um. I was trying to think of... Uh... I mean, shout out to Disney. You know, we touched on musicals. I purposely left Disney out of that equation, but shout out to Disney soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely um, Disney. I mean, I will... Uh, to My two favourite um, Disney movies are Lion King and Aladdin. And they, coincidentally, have uh, probably my two favourite soundtracks. soundtracks well. Yeah. Although I, I also do, I, although I do also have a soft spot for Tarzan, but that's probably because it's Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. I mean, did you watch the trailer for the the Lion King remake? Um, I watched. They, they, I watched they the play first... like an, a really epic version of this land in the in the trailer. It's awesome, man. It's epic. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, give it a watch because they yeah they did the first trailer, which I think just had the Circle of Life song. But yeah, watch the second trailer. Be Prepared is like an awesome tune, man. I know, but Be Prepared's so good. It's so good, but Jeremy Irons isn't in voicing the scar in this one, so I, I don't think um, as, as great it, as an actor as uh, oh, how do you say his name? Chirtual Oilafor, I think. That's how you say it. I don't think he's going to be able to do Be Prepared, man. Um, I, don't he, I don't think he can do it. He hasn't got the, the sleaziness of Jeremy Irons. The thing is, though, I even liked the Lion King 2 soundtrack. because The Lion King 2 soundtrack is great. I, I, I love great. Um, uh, the uh, the sort of, like, Be Prepared ripoff. Uh, what was it? Um, I can't remember. I remember um, uh, you Love Will Find a Way, be... the sort of the love, the love yeah. theme. That was good. Um, I actually read today that Tarzan 2, the, you know, the straight-to-video... I think it's a Tarzan prequel. It yeah. had songs written by Phil Phil Collins in. I need to check it out. It was pro- I, just to be skeptical. I'm, it's probably like just leftover stuff from there from like yeah, just ones that didn't make. It. <laughs> yeah, but, dude, that's so skeptical, man. Um, but yeah, the Lion King two song that I really like. It, oh, my lullaby. That was it. Because it's it, it it is blatantly like a be prepared solo. Yeah. That's good stuff, though. The person who's like uh, voicing the evil lioness and like has such a like husky smoker's lady's voice that it just adds evil to it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the uh, the Disney sequels get a bad rap. Like they have some, they're like they're like good stuff, man. I will I will honestly say that the Aladdin sequels are two of my favorite. Like I actually bought the Aladdin trilogy where it was like Aladdin one. Uh, Return of Jafar and King of Thieves. I actually bought them together because I generally think they're probably some of the consistently good ones. So yeah, because uh, 
Robin Williams doesn't voice the genie in Aladdin two, does he? It's it's uh, Dan Castellano who did uh, who the voice of Homer, but then he yeah. came back for three, didn't he? Yeah, um, Dan Castan letter. Um, yeah, yeah. Homer Simpson. Uh, Homer Simpson <laughs> did it for uh, Return of Jafar on the TV show, and yeah, yeah, Robin yeah. Williams came back for the King of Thieves. Um, yes. Aladdin's dad is actually voiced by uh, John Reese Davies. So. Is it? <laughs> yeah. That's a good shout. They have good voice cast these sequels, even though like, I don't know how they afford to pay them. I suppose these Disney DVD sell they sell them. But, wow, it's Disney, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just to go back, any final points? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, the um, the Akira soundtrack's really good, and so's the uh, yes, yes, Ghost in Shell one. No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought those up actually, because I feel like anime soundtracks are. I mean, right now they're some of my favourite soundtracks. Full stop. I've been listening to a lot of Studio Ghibli music. Uh, Joe, his his Shashi. I think is the composer for a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies, uh, like the How Mo- How's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, uh, really, really excellent soundtracks. Just beautiful yeah. piano themes and so good, man, so good. I think, well, I think one could make a point for just sort of like Asian cinema soundtracks in general as well. Like, yeah. um, I watched, yeah, uh, I, I told you, I watched Hero a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. the soundtrack to that. It's very traditional Chinese sounding, but it's still it's really good. Like it's really epic sounding. It's like really mellow. Like there's a lot of mellow epicness in it. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I I know exactly what you mean. I feel like the I just feel like just uh, forgive me if like I don't have the exact differences, but like Japanese and, and sort of Chinese music just is really good like the, the the instruments are used like the violins they just sound a little bit different um the piano notes are, are usually that little bit higher uh, it just it, yeah just it really conveys just all really it, the right emotions for the right scenes like really good i started watching um jet lee's fearless because you you said you've been watching hero and it made me want to watch fearless and dude that sounds awesome that sounds fucking hardcore man i mean um, I told you about that uh, film that he did back in the early nineties called the uh, The Evil Cult. Um, it's very cheap. Like if you, it's a very cheesy movie because, like, you see, like, um, it's got Sam Hung in it as well. But yes. it's like, it's like you you see a lot of like, you see a lot of like wire work in the sense that you actually see the wires, because <laughs> like, they're like they're flying across like. Um, uh, across the screen and stuff, and you can see clearly like the the uh, the wire that's holding holding them and stuff. <laughs> but it's got such an epic like soundtrack that if you were to listen to the soundtrack first, you'd be like, oh okay, this is like really sort of like epic sounding and stuff. And then you, you watch the the movie itself, and then you see all the sort of like cheesiness, low budget sort of like parts as well. You'd be like, I can't soundtrack kind of came from this movie but i think that just shows that i think that's how oh sorry are you cut off say that again um i was saying how like um it does show that uh good music can help a film a lot because like the evil cult is low budget slightly cheesy movie but yet the soundtrack is very epic yeah and yeah so it really helps it a lot yeah, absolutely. And 
And uh, shout out to Sammy Hung and um, the awesome Channel 5 series, Martial Law. I never watched it. I heard it. Dude, it's so good, man. Because there's a scene where he's, he's in a classroom and he's, his weapon of choice is like the, the, the erasers, like the chalkboard erasers, and he just beats up some guys like in this short fly never. Dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. That sounds I, I need to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk. We should do a, a whole episode. I've just uh, texted you about Kung Fu movies. That'd be a great oh, episode. Oh, I dude. think you and me could absolutely tear that apart. Oh, dude. Uh, 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 we might have to split it into two, but that could be. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Dude. Well, uh, I've seen Bruce exploitation movies. I know my shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think we can have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. That... So on that note, we'll uh, we'll reconvene for next week's episode. Okay. And we will. Yeah, we'll go from there. Okay. Bye, guys. Right. Bye.